Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I am currently in Mexico City, and I just ate a very good torta, which is a Mexican sandwich. Uh, I am uh, Luke Bailey, and I am in London, as I always am, uh, and I just had a nice bean chili. You had bean chili for dinner? Yeah. Well, you're gonna you're gonna fart pretty hard there later, bud. No, I'm English. I have a normal digestive system that doesn't like go crazy like Americans. I mean, you're gonna you, you just ate a lot of beans, right? Yes, but like the rest of us are fine. Like most people can do that and it not be a problem. I don't know. I I think I think it it takes a bit of hubris to assume that you're beyond uh, having the physical effects of too many beans. No, no, no. Physical effects, if you have to be if you're American and your your digestive system is made of paper and... I think it's very bold that you're trying to convince our audience <laughs> that a British man has a very strong stomach. <laughs> I've, said, I've, said, I've said this before, but you, like, when you lived in the UK, you were ill like 80% of the time and it was from just nothing, so... Well, uh, agree to disagree on that one, I suppose. Uh, let's get into the show. <laughs> Welcome to the Content Minds. This week, we are talking about prank videos. It's been a while since we uh, dipped our feet into this horrible world, but there's been some new developments. But before we get to that, Luke, how was the internet this week? Um, I think that my best, the best way to describe the internet this week was uh, predictable. Interesting. What do you mean? Uh... I mean that every single thing that happened, I could have called happening immediately beforehand. Oh, man. If you had given me a bingo card with Pierce Morgan wades into the Simone Biles debate, I would have had that right dead center. But it also just, it wasn't just Piers Morgan. It was the fact that as soon as it happened, I was like, I know exactly everything that's going to happen yes. off this cycle and everything off that cycle has happened. Everything that's happened on Twitter in the last seven days makes me feel like Dr. Manhattan. I feel like I have seen all forms of discourse that are possible. And now it's. I'm just watching them happen over and over again. See, I thought you were going to say Doctor Strange. Then, like it's it's endgame thing. Same idea. I mean, I came across I came across like three different tweets over the weekend, basically telling people to go to therapy for like very normal reasons, like very normal things that like aren't worth going to therapy over. One of them was whether or not you feel anxious from COVID. As in, isn't regardless of whether or not you feel anxious, you should go to therapy. No, they were like they're like if you are feeling so anxious from COVID. That you have to wear a mask inside. You need to go to therapy and deal with it. I mean, leading off from this, you're, leading off from that, you're, you're, America's approach to masking as the only solution to pandemic is kind of amazing. This has been like a very hard thing for me to explain to people, actually, which is that America. And, and what's crazy is that, like, so now I've been to I've been to Brazil, I've been to Belize, and I've been to Mexico and America, four different countries, and seen the way they've dealt with the pandemic. Mexico, yeah. Brazil, and America. And Belize all have gone the same direction of like hardcore masking outside in particular, which is from what you've been telling me, not the case in Europe or the UK. No, not at all. Which makes sense because like, you know, you're outside, but dense cities, I get the argument, but 
America, like nothing works. And now we're having the Delta variant basically cause everyone to have to go back inside and lock down again, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's just been, it's been fascinating because obviously there are so many various different like interventions and things that are, that are, that are happening. But America's kind of like, we're done with the pandemic. Ergo, no masks. And now it's like, we're not done with the pandemic. Masks. It's like, there are other ways to deal with this. Like, well, please, please think of any other way to deal with this. There aren't other ways to deal with this in America because m- the majority of our country don't trust vaccines. Have you heard of ventilation? Just get a big fan and open the window. We don't. That is much more effective than masks. We don't believe in ventilation. We don't believe in vaccines. I saw a Twitter thread earlier this week that was saying that back in my day, we didn't get vaccines. We just had shots. So, like, that's the level that Americans are operating cool. at right cool, now. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, well, of course, in the UK, we get jabs. So, you know. Right, which sounds like a sex thing. Honestly, it really sounds like a sex thing. Ooh, I've got me jab. Like, it sounds gross when you say that. <laughs> hey, hey, I got double jabbed the other that's, day. <laughs> that's gross. Yeah, double jabbed is gross. And But it is kind of fun to say. It's like, I've got the jab. It's, the Scotland one's better, actually. In Scotland, it's jag. Jag? Yeah, as in J-A-G. I think Scottish people just wait to see what English people are going to do <laughs> and then do it differently slightly so they don't have to be... And lightly fuck it up. Yeah. yeah. But to go back to the original conversation starter here, which is how is the internet this week, I agree with you. Things are very predictable. I also think the Olympics do something to the internet that I've, I've spent many years trying to articulate, but like the best way I could put it is that like Olympic internet is extremely annoying. Ooh, Again, it's American Olympic internet. Yeah, like the amount of Americans that tweet about how the Olympics are making them cry is like, it's not, like it's too much. Like the the amount of like emotional projection that Twitter power users in America do with Olympic athletes is just on a, like it's on a level that like isn't healthy, I don't think. No, it's not. It is, it is all over the place. Like the, yeah, again, the Simone Biles thing that happened and watching like, Every single news organization in the US immediately write like six pieces yeah. for every single angle and like getting it. It was like, hey, this is this is the, this is the problem, guys. This is the thing you're doing wrong. Uh, and I mean, I speak from experience here because this is uh, what the UK did or England did with this football team for a very long time. Um, I have slightly stepped away from it now, but yeah, it is it is not healthy, and it was never to be going to lead to something like this. Yeah, like when I when I watch like right wing like propaganda machines talk about like the media conspiracy most of the time i'm like rolling my eyes except when it comes to olympic content when i'm like oh yeah <laughs> if you were to look at this and be even slightly paranoid you would lose your mind because this is crazy the amount of like just like completely unnecessary content that's being generated for s- oh hold on we haven't even done the whole thing yet which is like who do you think had the best tweet this year about wow i've never even heard of these sports but now i want to watch them all the time I love that tweet. No, 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 no. The, uh, my favorite tweet is the. Actually, there's two other favorite tweets. One is the. Um, we should let all the Olympic athletes have drugs to see how. Oh yeah. Who, what what they can do. Of course. And the other one, which is we should have one person run one like normal person run the race first, so that we can compare. I love that tweet. I love that tweet. It's a great every tweet. two to four years, it's great. Oh, and then like, <laughs> I guess, I guess I get why the Olympics makes everybody horny. But this year in particular, it feels a lot more performative than it has in years past. Like even the oiled up Tongan guy, I was like, we're going to do this again. We're going to do this whole thing again. Every yeah, this year. is like the third content cycle that guy's had. This dude. He's just dude with some oil, man. He's oiled up all the time. And like, we yeah. know he's oiled up. I even saw people bring back the classic 
Chiron's cutting off the speedos of the divers to make it look like porn thing. Like we're just yeah. playing yeah. the hits. We're playing. This is this is the end of history. We have no new content. We need. We got to get over it. You know. Basically, what happened was the 2016 Olympics were the peak. Oh, actually, I like this. Ooh, the 2016 Olympics. I see what you're gonna do. Were, yeah. Were peak viral internet. Yeah. Go off, King. Like yeah. that was it. Yeah. Everything was viral. Every, we yeah. Talk about everything. Everything was new. And then suddenly we hit 2021. Everyone's like, remember all that fun stuff from like five years ago? We're just gonna do that again. Well, I think it's. I think it's further, which is that like. There has been no new culture since 2016 for various no. reasons. And so we're just playing the same stuff over and over again from the Olympics because there just isn't – except for TikTok. That's like kind of the only new uh, yeah. thing here. And the Olympic TikToks have been pretty good. I like the cardboard bed yeah, videos, which I was kind of disappointed to find out the cardboard bed wasn't a sex thing. I did believe that. I fell for that rumor. I mean, I, it just seems like such a weird <sighs> – such a weird thing for someone to make up. That's not why people make things up. But yeah, it's it was just it was very weird. It's all very weird. Also, also apparently they're very uncomfortable, which I which I find quite funny. Well, they're cardboard. I mean, of course they're uncomfortable. Yeah. But yeah, I uh, I'm good on the Olympics. I'm all done. I think I don't know how much longer it goes. This is I've been to two Olympics, and I'm not this one. But watching it from afar, I'm like, oh yeah, this is completely insufferable, and I don't want anything to do with this. Yeah, I mean, basically the Olympics has like. You should watch the 200 meter finals and then pick like one other sport. That's like how to watch the Olympics. Be like, I'm into this sport. This year, I think it should be climbing because the climbing thing includes speed climbing where they basically have to like run vertically up a wall. Ooh, like Spider-Man. That's cool. I've been really into the skateboarding because it's like pretty, it's like a cool vibe. I have many questions about why 13 year olds are so good at skateboarding. Because I get, I I get why 13 year olds are good at like gymnastics because it's like flexibility and stuff. Right. I don't understand why they're good at skateboarding. I think it's a center of gravity thing. Interesting. They're small, right? So they can like do pop shove it's and I stuff. Suppose. I don't know. I just, yeah, I just, it, it's remarkable that the best skateboarder in the world is 13. Yeah. It, it, and well, big on Vine, which was cool. She got big on Vine from Tony Hawk sharing her Vine and then she met Tony Hawk yeah. at the Olympics. It's great. Um, it's a good story. Speaking of playing back mistakes from 2016 over and over again until uh, we wipe each other out with nuclear war, Media companies are pivoting to video again, I just read this morning. Oh, God. I love Pivot's video. So, it's so much fun. So check this out. This is from the New York Times. As Vice Media considers deals that could take it public later this year, it is putting a greater emphasis on videos and other forms of visual storytelling, a shift that the company signaled this week with a new video series, Sex Reeducation, on the Vice-owned site Refinery29. They say they're going to reduce the number of old-fashioned text articles across all their websites by 40 to 50%. Ooh, that is a lot. It is so much. And they own so many websites now. I totally forgot that Vice owns Refinery29. I mean, well, Vice secretly owns an awful lot of other websites that it doesn't like talking about. Yeah, in fact, I've tried to research this several times to find the exact websites that Vice owns because I know it comes out every once in a while, and I can't find it. But I know they own a bunch of content farms to like goose up their their traffic numbers. They own a bunch, yeah. They own a bunch of content farms to goose their traffic numbers, and then they also own a bunch of blogs that no one reads, like uh, like Sabotage Times and stuff. Really? Which I assume have like, yeah, like I think it's Sabotage Times is vice, or they certainly used to be. Oh, I think Sabotage Times is gone now. What even was it? It was an online. Jesus, it was just an online magazine. I love online magazines. Oh yeah, okay, hasn't existed since like 2019, apparently. Wow. Oh, it was, oh, yeah, I mean, this thing. Yes. Yeah, it was just like a, a website, uh, but it was basically a blog that no one read, uh, but it was cool. The whole point was that it was cool. Uh, and yeah, Vice used to own it and then be like, 
sell really expensive ad packages where they were like, yeah, you're, you're, you're getting all the influencers, you're getting the, the most influential people at very high cost. It is weird but, that like, yeah. because of the way the internet scales advertising, being cool is useless now to, to a degree. Like it is, it is financially useless to be a business that is liked by cool people, which feels like a new thing. That feels like a new development in culture that like coolness isn't profitable. I mean, coolness is arguably profitable in that it, uh, produces subscriptions now though oh true like garbage day is one of the coolest publications on the internet and if you subscribe to it you are also cool i was actually thinking of the new gawker but sure oh have you seen the new Gawker? have you looked at the new Gawker? should we talk about new gawker i like it i think it's i think it's fun I, it's not like i mean on its first day if it were to like suddenly become as iconic as the original gawker that would be crazy i think for like a first day it's pretty good it's a good start like, I, yeah i like it i'm like this is fun this is different it kind of looks like Web, I don't know. I'm trying to think of which era it is, and it's probably like it. It look. It feels like the 2013 internet. I think it. It definitely feels retro, uh, but also current. Uh, one of my favorite headlines they've got here, which I think is just like a, a masterclass of a story. What is the Republican Party of Florida Lincoln Day dinner, and why is Matt Gates there with two dates, one of whom competed decades ago in a child beauty pageant against John Bonet Ramsey? <laughs> I think that is just a fantastic story to launch with on day one. That oh, is extremely good. Also, they did a really good post uh, called The Nose, which is basically tracking all of the famous women who have the exact same plastic surgery nose, and I thought that was pretty well done. That's, that is good. Like, I do think the internet really misses that like very specific kind of useless but insightful content that like is its own destination in a way like buzzfeed used to do stuff like that also vice to be honest but like no one really does that anymore no one does like a post like a good like ashley feinberg on her substack she'll do you know like a good post but very few people do good posts anymore yeah it is the post where you're like i it is essential that I that I that I have to read this and talk about this thing. Like this thing has like derailed my day. Yes, exactly. The blog post that can derail your day, I think, is an art form, and it used to be very common. And you could argue detrimental society at large, and maybe d led directly to the culture that elected Donald Trump. But I do miss it. I do miss that uh, uh, that that particular kind of content. Yeah, exactly. I I wish my day was derailed more by extremely good content, and this new Gork version of Gorka might do that. It could. I I. I, I'm curious how it will like interact with sort of like Twitter and like how it will like fit its way into the news cycle. Um, I don't really know exactly anymore how that works, I, I guess. I've been in newsletter land for over a year now, so I don't really know like how non-newsletter websites get traffic <laughs> in 2021. Like I used to know it for websites in the Facebook era, but I don't know. You Wait, you work for a website. How do you guys get traffic? Yeah. Google the algorithms. Algorithms like um, the algorithms give us traffic. But who are the traffic? Like who are the traffic coming to you? Uh, uh, uh the, the people. The algorithms give us. But what? Like where do those people? S I mean, if you if you ask me, like, was I starting a website from scratch and someone was like, "Hey, where's your traffic going to come from? How are you going to grow?" I it, the answer would be a bunch of different places. Yeah, that like, makes sense. You need some Google traffic. You need some Facebook traffic. You need some. Twitter traffic is, is interesting because it has more impact. Like, if you do something big on Twitter, you'll probably get a bunch of traffic from other places as well. Yes. Whereas you can get loads of traffic from Google and you'll get nothing from anywhere else. So Twitter is, like, really useful for that because basically everyone on Twitter is kind of a a, a posting slash reading posts junkie. Yeah. 
I've had a few like big Twitter hits on Garbage Day, which have taken like the traffic for like one post up to like you know like a real website level, you know, like in the twenty yeah. or thirty thousands. And it's always crazy to watch how that then goes around the internet because everyone is still basically writing off of Twitter. So if you can get there, you can get anywhere, baby. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think the one the one that would probably surprise you. In terms of where traffic comes from, uh, it's probably that there's more traffic coming from aggregators like Apple News and stuff than you'd imagine. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I use aggregators too now, technically. Like, I use Apple News to a degree. Mm. I don't. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people who use Apple News. Dads. I feel like it's a big thing for dads. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the dads dads need content too. That's true. I'm I'm trying to track this down, uh, but apparently, an awful lot of people are running into Jason Siegel randomly and posting videos on TikTok. What? Where? Like, in what physical... Just, what in, out, just out, out of the world, people keep running into Jason Siegel. Where in meat space are these things happening? Like, where are people running just, into him physically? All over the place. Hang on, I've got one video, which let me just dig out and I'll send it to you, and then... This is such a bizarrely specific thing. Yeah, I know, it's so specific, which is why I'm really into it. Dropping it in the chat. Okay, let's see here. Oh, weird. Yeah, and apparently it is not the only times this happened and i have not found another one yet but apparently a lot of people are randomly ending up with their tiktok pages recommending them videos of people randomly running into jason siegel in meat space i wonder so i guess this must be in california right hmm i'm guessing so weird it looks like it happened at some kind of fair or some kind of festival yeah some sort of music festival it looks like to me weird it would be strange yeah. if like TikTok's algorithm settled on Jason Siegel <laughs> as like the thing that to trend. So then people just yeah. like started stalking Jason Siegel for like algorithmic juice. But it was also just like the idea that people have. Yeah, no, TikTok's just decided that there's a group of people, and the only thing they're interested in is people meeting Jason Siegel. Yeah, is is like spontaneous just, meetings of Jason Siegel, right? Yeah, and it's just hard optimizing towards that now. Wow, that could happen though. I guess that's kind of like what the app Citizen tries to do with like its weird virtual manhunts. Yeah. So, what is Citizen? I have heard this is one of these things I keep seeing, and I'm like, I need to read into this. Oh, really? Okay. So, Citizen is like, so here's a weird thing. Citizen got popular. Citizen and Nextdoor both got popular when I was in the UK. So, when I came back to America, I was pretty out of the loop on both of them, and I was so out of the loop that I actually couldn't even really fathom a use case for these apps. But apparently, they're very popular. Because a bunch of my friends were using them when I when I landed. They are basically apps you use to track crime in your local community. And Americans use them to surveil each other. And this the the the, the bad app, the I mean they're both bad, I think, but Citizen, the really aggressive one, is funding a bunch of operations to like become a twenty four seven crime manhunt media network. And they're working with police stations and stuff. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I have seen that i mean that is literally the plot of like two episodes of black mirror yeah it's um, also just like the the entirety of robocop like it is just robocop future but it is real now i i've always i've been meaning to like suggest an episode on citizen but like it is so far out of like my personal information wheelhouse that like we've got to we got to find a guest to bring on to talk about it but we should because they are crazy and i feel like there is like a connection between how they work and how like british people use local facebook groups so next door is very much a thing in the uk now uh and it is a a version of yeah a local facebook group but it has the exact same energies yeah I'll, my friend actually had a really good instagram account which was just sharing screenshots 
of animals that were found randomly on next door. So like turtles and stuff. And that was kind of fun. Oh, that's cool. But yeah, we should, let's table this. Let's, let's, let's do an episode about this. I think this is a good idea. All right. I think it's time we talk about how outside now is just full of roving gangs of prank YouTubers. I mean, it does feel like that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, outside is weird now. Like, it's different than it was, but yes. not in a way that is, not in a way that's, like, seriously different. Like, if you went and sat in a bar, you're like, oh, this is pretty much back to normal. This is, But then, like, every now and again, something happens that reminds you that it's, it's not real. And one of the clear things that's come up over the last, uh, I don't know, however many months, um, is that there are more people trying to do pranks yes uh which i think is very much a tiktok thing like i i think it's it's all platforms go through this kind of explosive growth moment uh some of them do like a clubhouse and basically stop doing it uh some of them do a youtube and kind of like retool so that the growth is harder to come by and requires more effort but tiktok is like a perfect example of an app that you only need to use for 30 seconds, 45 seconds or whatever. You're making incredibly short videos, kind of like Vine, but Vine was so short that it it was much, I, I guess it was trickier to optimize. Well, it, There wasn't as much to work with. Don't forget, Vine got, as, as much as people love and miss Vine, it did give the world Logan Paul. It did. Like, it, did. it got toxic as fuck towards the end. And I know what you mean about like outside being strange now, because I feel like, there's this thing now where I'll be outside and, you know, I'm vaccinated. Everything's fine. You know, I wear the mask when I need to walk around, but then at a table or a restaurant or a bar, I take it off. I'm sitting there. It almost feels normal. And then you're sort of just like hit with this wave of like unnormalness, abnormalness. And, it, and like being outside now is sort of like a constant state of feeling totally normal and then being completely put off by something totally strange. And so like, there's like a Lynchian quality, like a David Lynchian quality to like just existing outside now. Yeah, everything is 3% off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think TikTokers in particular are taking advantage of this. Um, and it's going to get weirder, I think, pretty soon. But, but I think they've also forgotten the pre-existing rules. So what do you like, what do you mean? What do you mean? What I mean is that their capacity for embarrassment has gone down. <laughs> like essentially, like uh, the thing that would stop me being a prank YouTuber would be that I'd be constantly embarrassed by doing it, and I think it stops a lot of people or makes sure that when they do stuff, they kind of they plan it, they structure it, they make sure that it's not as going to expose them in some way, and that just seems to have gone. Oh, interesting. Okay, yeah. And so, so I, I sent you a clip when we were talking about this show of a guy going to a, uh, a oh, what is, what is, what is the, like a drive-through going to a drive-through and being like, Hey, what would you, I mean, you can play the clip here, right? I'm pulling it up. Hold on. Here we go. Welcome to Starbucks. What can I get served for you? Hi. Yeah. Um, I was actually wondering if you could maybe make something for someone who might've just got their heart broken. Can you just get something off the menu? Oh, okay. Okay, so it's a guy in a drive-thru. 
So it's like clearly, so it's a guy, and he claims that like the guy at Starbucks didn't want to get him something that like broke, like he wanted a drink for like being brokenhearted or whatever. And he's he's verified, which if you're verified on TikTok, like I immediately do not believe anything that you post anymore. Like everything that you post, if you're verified on TikTok, I assume is a skit of some kind. Yeah, exactly. But this guy, firstly, I love the exhausted sigh of the worker. Which is like it feels like it's like five seconds long. It's great. Wait, but this is but that worker is clearly him. Oh, it's, oh. So your version of this, you think this is entirely fake? I assumed that he faked this whole thing, and that's just him with a with with a a filter on to make it sound like. Oh, okay. So I think that this is real. Like I think that he is. He has drawn up to a thing to try and do a cool viral thing where he gets like a a I don't know a pink drink or whatever uh and instead the guy is just like could you fuck off I'm I'm a minimum wage worker who's working the night shift at a Starbucks drive through I see well okay wait. so first of all this TikToker we're talking about is named Gray his username is Gray's World he has 3.1 million followers and I assume everything he's posting is not real because like He's a TikToker. Like he's a verified TikToker. None of nothing they do is real. Sure, but this one, I, I, yeah, okay. This one kind of just set, jumped out at me as being a thing that probably is real. I don't know. Well, now I'm going either way. But now I'm going either way on it. But it's it's one of these things that is just. It makes it very clear that yeah, people are not embarrassed by it, and the entire joke is that a, it's being a dick to a like minimum wage worker and based on what i've seen kind of from other stuff going around this really really makes me feel like people are just being dicks constantly because they don't realize this stuff is actually weird to do and we basically like jumped like five six years before we're in the trend of people getting more and more willing to do this sort of embarrassing stuff in real life and the pandemic stopped everyone and now it's come back and everyone's just progressed a lot more because they don't have the they're not used to doing it as they were like two years ago. I see. I see. This actually, you know what this reminds me of a lot. Okay. And this is this is sort of part of this same trend that you're talking about. The Kanye West guy who snuck into the uh, the listening party. Uh, do you mean do you mean Kanye West who's <laughs> currently living in an Atlanta okay. stadium for some reason? Okay. So let's. I'll go all the way back to the beginning of this. So Kanye West. Did the Donda release party for the album, but then didn't release the album. And then he moved into the Mercedes-Benz Stadium and has been living in the stadium ever since. Okay, cool. Normal. Easy. Fine. A TikTok user named Nonthrot took a video of himself photoshopping a fake press badge, sticking it on his leg, sneaking into the listening party and getting closer to Kanye West than Kim Kardashian was. And taking photos of him and then bragging about it on TikTok. So I decided to sneak into the Kanye West Donda album listening party in Atlanta. Didn't care, have enough time today to Photoshop a credential and uh, snagged a photo of a credential. So I'm walking back to the car to Photoshop it. The photo I got wasn't good enough to use as a source, so I had to make it from scratch. The pictures from the t shirt that they sold at the merch booth. Took a picture from Twitter, printed it out, chopped it up, right, stuck it on me. Got it on me. From here on out, it's just confidence and moving quickly so they don't get a good look at the past. Thank you. Appreciate it. 
like a charm, baby. There are a few more gates to get through to get to the stage, but I didn't record those, so sorry. But I ended up right on the floor. I also had my professional cameras on me so security wouldn't think twice. So I figured why not try to get as close as I possibly could. As you can see, I got pretty close. I actually had better seats than Kim Kardashian. Here are some of the pictures I took. I think they turned out pretty okay. Look at my other TikToks and follow me if you want to see more stuff like this. And if you go to the, guy, the guy's other videos, he's done the same thing with the Jake Paul Triller fight recently, also at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And no one can decide on whether or not he is just like a legitimately credentialed photographer who is lying about sneaking into events for clout on social media or if he is literally doing this. And it's sort of this like weird, like it feels like very tied to like our misunderstanding of meat space at the moment. Like we don't know if influencers are crazy enough to do this stuff or if they're also just, like just going to lie about it. You, you know, you see what I'm saying? We had a really, yeah, we had a really similar thing at the Euros final where a load of people put on TikTok that they'd like snuck in. And the thing is, we know that people did sneak in. We just don't know if it was the same people who were putting it on TikTok. Right. But equally, if someone did sneak in and then put it on TikTok, that's a really dumb thing to do. It's really dumb. And yet it keeps happening. Like people keep doing bad things in real life and documenting it on TikTok. I mean, honestly, it sounds like I'm describing the insurrection, which <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> but there is this sort of like weird feeling now where people are going outside and they're doing things that are unacceptable. And then they're sharing those things on the internet. And no one can tell if they're really doing those unacceptable things or if they're just faking it because they know that people will, will share it if it looks like they're doing that. Yeah, there was one going around the other week uh, that included some people in a uh, in a supermarket doing a slip and slide. Okay. Uh, and they basically, you know, they put the thing out and there's like three of them and they're like, uh, you know, running down to try and do the slip and slide on like a, a I don't know, an aisle, with the bread aisle or whatever it was. Uh, and then clearly the staff are there and just like taking this stuff away from them and being like, stop, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Right. It's really annoying. Right. And it's like, all it takes is one creator to like create a thing that looks like that, but isn't. And then, you know, like, like it, it's almost kind of like the boundary between like viral skit and viral stunt is wearing down and they're like leaking into each other. So like nobody can tell like what's real and what's not anymore. But maybe, I guess we never could. I, I don't know. I can't really remember what life was like before the pandemic anymore. <laughs> I just, it's that, but it's also that the kind of, it feels like a lot more people have decided that it is just acceptable to be a, a TikToker who makes this sort of viral content. Like, and this is what always happens. There's always the clip and the person goes like, oh no, we're verified on TikTok or whatever it is. And the person in the shop's like, I don't care. Like, <laughs> Could you stop throwing water all over my shop because I have to clean it up? This is okay. This is interesting to me. This is interesting. So let's. I'm. I'm. I want to talk about this because I think this is. I think you're really onto something here. So I'm going to put like a little little music sting here. So we 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 got a fresh we got a fresh launch into this topic. Okay, hold on. There is something very strange. That I think you're sort of like getting really close to nailing down here, which is that like there is this sort of feeling now that if you are super viral on TikTok, if you're verified, if you're like an influencer and you do something completely insane and obnoxious and inappropriate, that like 
the business benefits of being involved in the stunt outweigh the whatever the negative aspects would be. Yes. So there is an assumption that, yeah, if you do a dumb thing in a shop, the shop's going to be like, wow, cool, this dumb thing happened in our shop. Right. Like there's a massive disconnect between like, almost real, like, basically real life, between like <laughs> what is actually happening in the world and these people who think that whatever they're doing is good or part of it or therefore brings some sort of fringe benefits for everyone else right it's like oh famous tiktoker Traden is in hot water for doing the hashtag diarrhea slide challenge at <laughs> at a local coffee shop and Traden was quoted as saying you know i brought x amount of followers to your coffee shop it should be fine that i did the diarrhea slide there <laughs> Like, that's sort of where we're at, where, like, there is, I guess, like, and I think it's, like, a kind of a Gen Z, mis like, not misunderstanding, because I don't think it is a misunderstanding. It's, like, a Gen Z cultural shift that sort of ties into stuff we've talked about previously on the show, which is, like, if you are viral, there's the assumption that you've made, you, you've made money off of it, that it's good for you, that it's, that you sort of won the lottery. And so if you continue on that line of thinking, terrorizing, like, service workers or, like, doing the diarrhea slide in a local coffee shop or whatever is going to be good for you because it's gone viral. So how could it be bad? Yeah. Viral is viral is equivalent to good. And obviously that's not true by a really long way. Um, which I mean, brings us to the, the main video that I kind of want to talk about, which is the next stage of this. Um, so you haven't watched this video, right? Or haven't watched the whole thing. The Spider-Man video. Yeah, the Spider-Man video. Okay, so this was sent to us by a listener who said that this was a really good example of the not-safe-for-work apocalypse, which we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. And I, I have watched it, and yet I still feel like I don't understand what it is that I've watched. So if you could explain what's going on, I think that would be really useful. Sure, sure. So there's basically a bunch of different clips of this one incident, all of which are filmed on kind of like shaky camera phone footage from what's that camera phone. Jesus, uh, smartphone footage from <laughs> somewhere vaguely near them. Um, but the gist of it is, is that some people arrived at a supermarket uh, and attempted to do some sort of stunt. The staff did not like them doing a stunt uh, and it descended into violence. That's kind of the short version. Oh, okay. So, so you're saying, there was the attempt to film a viral stunt of some kind, and yeah. then five people were arrested after the staff was attacked following yeah, uh, the end of this viral stunt, basically. Yeah, after there was there was um yeah, after there was violence that, that happened as a result of this. Which is for American listeners, we have to be a little careful about how we describe this. It's technically an active legal case in the UK, and if we do this wrong, Luke gets in trouble. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ryan does not. I do not. Yeah, I'm good. But uh, so okay. So now, what the interesting part of this is, though, is that it became rapidly clear that if you tracked back this person's uh, history, it was not the first time they had done similar stunts. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. And in fact, they had a YouTube page where they went to other supermarkets wearing various costumes and did like extended pranks and there were very few followers on this on this youtube page that hadn't really hadn't really gone anywhere but it was you know stuff like you know they both dropped as superheroes and they'd 
get on top of some shelves and like run around and have like a fake superhero fight, whatever it was. There was a thing here where kids would do wrestling matches in gas stations. Same idea. Yeah, exactly the same idea. Um, but obviously these are two, you know, adults uh, and it became, and watching them is very strange because it's kind of like, I don't quite know what you're trying to do here because it's it's not good. It's not funny. It's not interesting. Right. Um, but then it became this, this, yeah, the fact that they had not previously had staff be like, could you get out? Could you stop, please? Meant that they had let it go. But of course, then it got tr- problematic because the staff essentially said, could you not do this, please? <laughs> and I think it's absolutely fascinating to kind of the idea that people are like, no, no, it's fine. We're making a video. And therefore, are now in this point of this frame of reference where you can just do, you're apparently supposed to just do this in shops and the shops should be okay with it. Right, because real life only exists to be uploaded into content. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if it's obnoxious or stupid or violent. This is, this is what this is for. The, this Asda is not for shopping if I have a camera here. I have now it, is tur- a back, it is a backdrop for my viral content. Exactly. And in fact, this is a fantastic segue into another video that a listener sent us. Um, the twist ending of this video is unbelievable and i want you to narrate this for us because it's pretty incredible it's 45 seconds all right okay so we have uh a room with some superhero costumes and someone also wearing a chucky costume and it appears to be a i don't want to say a strip club because i don't think it is but a some sort of strip based event uh where everyone is just superheroes basically if this was in the uk i would be like oh this is a stag do uh-huh it has it has extremely strong stag do energy uh-huh um i am trying to figure out where the room is because i wait don't for the end wait for the end oh okay <laughs> it is it is in a new york subway station <laughs> Yeah. What is that? That is. It's uh, it's Broadway Junction. It's a, it's it's a it's an above ground subway station. So it's not even underground. They're outside. They're like it's broad daylight and they're outside. Wow. (laughs) Okay. And there is a platform and a stripper pole and a bunch of people dressed up like superheroes and people filming it. And so this is Broadway, Broadway Junction's a big station. Yeah, no, it's big. It's, it's it's not like a it's not like an unused one. It's not like it's big. I don't know one of the, any any of the ones the G trains on, but no. it's a big station. Yeah, it's in Brooklyn. And like, what I think is amazing about this is like you can see in this video that someone is filming it, and so there is once again this assumption that's like outdoors exists for me to stage my viral content in. Yeah, which I think is going to be. I think I'm going to make that the episode title this week. That's a good. That's a good one. That's a note for future Ryan. Um, but it's well, it's good. It's good that the uh, dancer in this video is wearing a mask, though. I agree. It's nice that they're doing it in a safe way. Uh, yes. But yeah, it's it's and then what's even kind of in, more interesting about this video is that there's someone with a DSLR camera filming the stripper and the superheroes and all of that, and then beyond that is another layer of people who are all filming it for their viral content, including the very video that you're watching. Yeah, this is, it is wild. Also, I'm just going into replies to this. 
And one of the top replies to it is a guy jumping over the, the train, the, the train lines. <laughs> Which is one of those things where I'm like, yeah, sure, that's doable. I did not realize it was that doable. But it's genuinely quite impressive. Oh, wait, hold on. Someone, someone shared what the video became. And it's, it's an Instagram live. Okay. So cool. It's an Instagram live of a stripper dancing on a stripper pole at Broadway Junction in broad daylight. It's it's amazing. It's just it's it's layers of viral content happening at the same time, and none of it is appropriate. <laughs> it is bizarre. But also, yeah, watch the video I just sent you of of, of the guy jumping the, the the gap in the train, the pl- jumping the platform. Yeah, I mean it's pretty. I mean, it's, I've thought about doing it a few times, but if you miss and you hit the third rail, you'll explode. So you gotta be yeah. careful. But no, it's quite impressive. Anyway, yes, that is a that is. Uh, I have so many questions, and none of them are ever going to be answered. No, in <laughs> fact, there's a very high likely possibility that you and I will both forget about that video almost immediately after recording this week's episode. And that's sort of the nature of this stuff: is that like there's so much viral content being filmed outside or so many attempts at viral content being filmed outside that it does feel almost impossible to track it all. I mean, yeah. to tie it back to the insurrection again, it just does feel like the outdoors now is a, is a, is a, a an arena of content. Yeah. Even the, the, the even Congress is, is an arena of content. Yeah. It's uh it's exhausting. Okay. So here's a question. Do you think this is like, Do you think this is totally, this to me doesn't feel totally dependent on TikTok, actually. To me, this feels almost like platform agnostic and could be happening like on any platform. I mean, it is happening on multiple platforms, but I feel like a lot of the kind of more desperate elements are coming from TikTok because there is just this belief that you can be huge on TikTok now by very easily, which I don't really think is true. That is, that is, yeah, I agree because... There is this mentality of like, oh, TikTok is new enough, but now big enough that there is this moment where like, if you want, you can go become huge on TikTok. Like I've even in my own thoughts about like growing garbage day or whatever, my own creator life of like, oh, should I do a TikTok? And I remember just being like, it seems easy. Like it seems scalable, but I don't think that's true. I mean, I think it's theoretically, I just think you have to target it quite carefully. Yeah. Like, I, it, it, I, I think that an awful lot of it, like if you are... Charlie D'Amelio or Addison Rae or whatever, basically getting out of the box that you're in is actually quite tricky. Even if you're the most famous person on the platform, you are essentially famous for doing a dance to a song and therefore getting out of that. You know, Addison Rae in particular has tried incredibly hard to jump out of that as quickly as possible by doing other stuff, which is which is true. Basically, what you need to do is then get yourself into a different, achieve exit velocity, get out of the platform to get other other stuff so that when eventually everyone figures out that your thing on TikTok doesn't really translate to anything else. You've got enough other strings that you can then build a career off it. Right. And so for like the prank videos or the shock videos, I think, I mean, we saw, so it's funny. I wrote stories about this like five, 10 years ago. I interviewed the two kids who would do hood pranks where they would go into like low income, like black areas and like say the N word and get in fights and stuff and film it. Yeah. And I've like, I've talked to the, these type of kids, like I know sort of the thought process behind this kind of content and which is basically like, I want attention, but I have no ability to get it in a real way. Yeah. And it, it seems to manifest every time there's a new video platform. I mean, it even happened with Twitch in the very beginning of live streaming and like people like Ice Poseidon who would film their whole lives out in the world. Baked Alaska, you know, the, the far right 
influencer. That's the kind of stuff that he does. And like, it does just seem to happen every couple of years where a, a new crop of people realize like, oh, if I go act like a lunatic out in public, I can get attention. But I think the difference now is that like, there's a lot more people doing it. Like there's a lot more people. Yeah. And and I I think that's part of it. And I also think that, yeah, the pandemic has like just made people's, what people do outside just slightly off. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's accelerated it by a few years. And as a result, we're just seeing a lot more, a lot weirder stuff. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, I mean, the other the other thing here that we really haven't brought up, which is probably worth mentioning, which is just that like, I don't get the sense that TikTok is as locally engaged in what's going on in the US as something like Facebook. As in, it doesn't have a such strong like local uh, like products on it. Like you don't, you're not like as likely to see things in your local area. No, like I don't get the sense that even though TikTok has a massive audience and a massive office in the U.S., I don't get the sense that ByteDance cares that much about abuse or toxic content or anything like that happening in any one given country. To me, it feels way less tied to it than something like facebook even though there's probably equal amounts on both yeah i could see that i do think that bite dance have not had a particularly i think that they have been good enough at blocking the very worst stuff like they've been much better at doing that than any other platform has been and as a result they're not as good and they, they don't really care about the rest of it they're just like we're not gonna have the really bad stuff therefore the rest of it's fine right it's like we won't let you swear but we don't care yeah if you uh, go into a Starbucks and do the diarrhea slide, which I... Yeah, exactly. But equally, you know, they they are not too bad at stopping, like, direct abuse and harassment and stuff. And as a result, the rest of it is, yeah, they let slide. I mean, in, like, doing a little bit of research for this week's episode, I came across a Newsweek story from earlier this week about a police department in North Carolina begging teenagers to stop doing a TikTok challenge called the Gun Prank War. Where they would basically just like pull out like toy guns at like people in public. And like that's sort of like the level at which a lot of TikTok content seems to be happening right now, which is like, yeah, maybe it's not going viral, viral, but it's like it's creating micro challenges that are just like producing really strange results. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's weird. It's weird. Hey, Luke, have you consumed any content to stay sane this week? Yeah, I listened to a really interesting podcast from uh, a few weeks ago uh, called Blind Landing, uh, which I happened to listen to after the uh, Simone Biles stuff, uh, and was really interesting because it's basically about an incident that I have not heard about, which is that in the 2000 Olympics, uh, in the individual all-around final, I think, uh, they set the vault in the women's vault two inches too low. Oh. Uh, and basically it meant that like if you're a gymnast that's really unsafe because the vault's not where you expect it to be as you're trying to flip over it right uh, and yeah really interesting podcast definitely worth listening to uh, because it's pretty, really interesting about kind of getting into the well obviously there's the there's bits and pieces about the kind of the technical like how did this happen what should gymnastics have done how should they have dealt with it but what's particularly interesting about it 
in the context of Simone Biles is that the emphasis is very much on many of these gymnasts were had their confidence so shaken by it because you know they just they tried to do a, a vault or a flip or whatever it was and just couldn't figure it out right and they were like it must be me i'm off and as a result they were then going on to the next events and failing oh because they were like my confidence is out and they were falling again on other events even though that equipment was set up correctly and then you know uh, a few hours later they figure out what's wrong with the vault and they go oh okay everyone can do the vault again but everyone's then kind of like so on edge that they can't do particularly well uh, and they can't like rebuild it and they've also lost points in other challenges so they've already lost their medals and it's yeah it's fascinating because it, it really does emphasize the yeah someone Biles thing being not just about the idea that she is like having a, a like a mental health thing it is about the fact that she has lost the guaranteed confidence that she can do what she's trying to do and without that it's really unlikely she's going to do well and she's going to start causing more problems for herself and for the rest of her team. Yeah, and it, yeah and, it's fascinating. And it poses a massive safety risk when you're like spinning your body around. Yeah, exactly. Like if you feel a bit off when you're swimming, you don't drown, you go a bit slower. Right. Uh, unless you do drown, of course, which would be a, a, a very unfortunate. I mean, I was going to say you can drown. That does, I mean. You, you can drown. It's, it's just, I don't think anyone's ever drowned in the Olympics. I don't know, yeah. I mean, there was like those really old Olympics where people were like, snorting cocaine and like drinking rum as they like ran in like loafers or la- and like dress slacks uh, the stories yeah. of like the very first olympics are incredible because everyone's just like fucked up on morphine and wearing like yeah. a full suit and tie <laughs> <laughs> yeah and like running the marathon and taking a car for most of the distance yeah like, exactly like, yeah f- fucking up their timings enough because they stopped off in a bar and then they get into the they get into the, the stadium like two hours early and everyone's like hey you sh- wouldn't be here for like an hour yet exactly yeah. Like, oh yeah no uh re- really good race felt great <laughs> <laughs> exactly anyway so uh what content are you consuming to say soon mexico city that's content right <laughs> consuming the con- the city of mexico city that's right i've been eating lots of good food uh i uh i had a churro last night that was pretty good Ooh. um but i also watched uh movies finally again on a plane because that's the only place that I watch movies. <laughs> and what what movie did you watch? I watched Nomadland, which uh, won an Oscar, I think, or was nominated, uh, and was very. Oh, that's the the Chloe Zhao one. Yes, about the recession, and it's very good. Um, I feel like interesting. There should be more recession era art made. Like I feel like we've really only had like The Big Short and Nomadland and maybe a few other like notable movies. Margin Margin Call was 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 a recession era movie and that was great. Oh, that's true, yeah. But I feel like with Nomadland in particular, it felt like such a a weird time in history, like 2011, like the 2008 to 2011 period is so weird and I feel like we haven't processed it particularly in America and I would like to see more about that. I feel like cuz I was like 20 when that I was yeah, I was finishing I was I was in college basically for that whole period, and so like I wasn't aware of my surroundings. So I would like to know what happened, you know, in the world during that period of time. Yeah, I I agree. There is, there is a weirdly limited amount of recession era art. Also, Chloe Zhao uh, is has directed Eternals as well. That's right. Um, so uh, I I find those two movies coming like back to back fascinating. Well, I mean, her photography in Nomadland is very good, and. According to Kevin Feige, she was very impressive because she films things <laughs> not on a green screen, which uh, I guess is notable yeah. for the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I love that. Uh, fantastic stuff. 
Speaking of cinematic universes, next week we will be watching the Animatrix for our Patreon exclusive podcast post post credit scene. You can find that at patreon.com slash the content minds. By the way, I totally missed that the Suicide Squad came out like this week. Oh, that explains why there's posters for it around everywhere here. Yeah, I, I, one of those things where I was like, wow, yeah, I assume that comes out soon and then discovered it's already out. And I was like, oh, I thought I it missed was, that. I thought it, wow. I mean, I'm still really struggling with like, understanding when things are happening or where or like i'm you know this is the this is the most out in the world i've been in like a year and a half so this is uh understanding when movies are going to arrive in a movie theater is like next level stuff for me that's too much um that makes sense i think in terms of like show stuff by the way um i don't want to go back to the dc world unless there's like a bunch of movies to watch in a row like i don't want to do one-offs so professionally i'm not no the 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 the, i mean the matrix things has really demonstrated to me like oh yeah no there are good movies still yeah and after the matrix which is pretty soon we've basically got like two movies left and then it's over we're doing spider-man and that's a lot of movies that's a lot of spider like when we agreed to do that i don't think i realized fully how many spider-man movies are there are yeah there's a lot there's (laughs) there's basically three it's three trilogies no it's a trilogy a duology and a duology. But the last one will be a trilogy by the time we get to it. Yeah, yeah. And it's possible that they, like, if rumors are true, they all become part of the same story. Yeah. Um, and there's there's also Spider-Verse. There's also Spider-Verse. So, yeah, we, okay. Um, but anyways, you can check all that out. Patreon.com slash The Content Minds. Thank you guys for listening. And next week, we'll be back with uh, some some more good fresh horrors from the internet for you. Cool. Cool. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.